How y'all doing? How you guys doing tonight? Doing good. I'll give you a little bit of time to get off your phones so you can focus on it. How's everybody doing tonight? Awesome. I'm excited. We got, we got some cool stuff going on tonight, and I, I really believe that it's going to be a great night for you, and you can release some stuff to the Lord. But beforehand, we are in a um, thing called In My Feelings, a sermon series going off of a song, an In My Feelings challenge. Anybody has done the challenge? Anybody want to admit it? You guys are like, yeah, there's a couple that, honest Itching people. your back. So Pastor Jeremy did the challenge last week. Did anybody yeah, not yeah, see yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few of you. So just in case, oh, like, man. you guys didn't see it, we wanted to play it one more One more time? Time. Go ahead. Oh, boy. I just want you to watch this and learn a little something, something from the master. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Don't y'all yeah. sing it, sinners. Oh, look at Angel and Yam walking in. Look at these boys. Look at them. What do you guys think of that? How how are we feeling? Like that was Yeah. So I'd That's be good. lying if I didn't say that I had to do it this week to just kinda show me what's you know, up. I'm kind of a big guy, but I still got out of the car. Go ahead Wait and play that one. Yeah, yeah. Y'all better show some love. That that's my reaction. Oh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, whoa, 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 snap! Whoa, 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 hey, hey! I didn't say to play that. <laughs> we gotta give up. Let's hey. give it up for Pastor whoa. Trent. That was awesome, right? Easy, 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 easy. Can you do that one more time? No, no, no. So I. Who do you th who who did you think did it better? Oh, I think Pastor we, Jeremy wait, 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 over before here. We vote, before we vote, before we vote. Oh yeah. Before we vote, can we just turn the lights down again? Oh no. Can you hit that other one? That little repeat. Can we just Can we just watch that and enjoy? Alright. I, I gotta be honest here. I'm kind of impressed that like my feet can move like that. I didn't Man, know I could do that. You were skipping. I was skipping. I don't know what was skipping. Who thinks Pastor Jeremy did it better? Come on, guys. Yeah. Oh guys, you guys, guys, come on, for real. Yeah. I need some more love than that. Yeah. You know what, Pastor well, okay, how about what do you guys think about Pastor Trent? You guys give it up. Hey, hey. Dude, you smoked me, bro. That's good. They're, you better preach tonight because, dude, these guys might all go to hell or something tonight after that. You know what I'm saying? Love you, bro. All right, all right, we're going to get kidding, into just kidding, it. Just kidding. So, again, we are in the sermon series called In My Feelings. And kind of the big idea around this whole thing is that when God, everybody say when God. When he is in your feelings, conclusions don't matter. When God is in your feelings, conclusions don't matter matter. And before I dive into the message again, just in case you weren't here last week, Pastor Cole, as everybody know and love Pastor Cole? Everybody give it up for Pastor Cole. 
Well, last Monday, uh, he and Savannah had their baby. I think we got a picture. John Michael. Aww. Okay, some of you saw it already, so just wanted to let y'all see it. So be praying for them and lifting them up. All right, good, good, good. All right, we're going to dive into it now, but I'm going to pray first. Lord, I just thank you for each and every person in this room, God. Lord, I ask that you would right now prepare our hearts for the message. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me. Use me today, Father. Be my mouthpiece. Your words, not mine. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Tonight we're talking about our family. Everybody turn to somebody and say, family. And I want to start with kind of a family story for you guys. It is weird having this luggage here, but I kind of like it. Y'all are like, what's the luggage about? I'm going to tell you. Don't worry about it. Family, I'm going to start with a story. Does anybody go on family vacations? Is anybody graced with the ability to be locked in a car for a long time with your entire family? Anybody do that? Yeah. Well, we love to go on vacations. I had my mom, my dad, and my older sister, and we would travel and travel and travel in this big old van. That's what we did. And the thing is, before vacations, what do you got to do? You got to pack. And I remember we'd have like a, a trip, maybe two nights max, two nights. I packed my little bag, you know, little Hello Kitty. You know, I get my bag ready and I pack it up. I'd walk it downstairs and put it by the front door. My dad would bring his small bag, he'd put it over there. And my sister would come down with about seven bags. Is anybody an overpacker? So my sister would come down with all these bags, and my mom would come right behind her with all of these bags. And I was so mad. I was so mad. I was like, what are y'all doing? I remember I called them out one time. I'm like, what's even in there? One was for makeup. My sister had one that was all swimsuits. She's like, I need options. I was like, no, you don't. Just one pair of undies. That's all you really need. You know what I'm saying? You flip them inside out, that's two nights. That's easy. That's light work. Give me a backpack. My mom would have one for makeup and all of this stuff. Now, guys, you don't get off the hook either because anybody you know that guy, he's got to wear matching shoes for everything? Yeah. You guys don't get off the hook either. But they would have so much baggage, and I was so mad at my family, my sister and my mom. Like, what are y'all doing? I'm going to have to load all of this stuff up. It's like Tetris, trying to fit everything in the vehicle. I was so mad at their baggage, and it got me thinking. Many of us in life, we get upset with the people, the fa our family's baggage, maybe the things that they're going through, maybe the, the mistakes that they continually make, maybe the stuff that they do towards us. Am I right? We get mad at their baggage. Am I speaking just for me tonight? Okay, good, good. Y'all got families up in here? Okay, good. I was just making sure. You know they have baggage. I get so mad at all of my sisters, my mom's, my dad's baggage in life that I forgot that I myself was carrying around some baggage too. Because you see, when, when any time you're in a family, any time that you have to live with other people that have been through some stuff, there's some baggage that ends up being in your life too. But a lot of times it's easier to point fingers at them, it's easier to point at them and say, man, you're messed up. 
man, you're jacked up. Man, you're going through it. Would you stop messing with my life? But the truth is, if you've ever been in a family, a part of a family, there's going to be some baggage in your life because of the baggage that's in theirs. It's called dysfunctional families. Dysfunctional families. And actually in the Bible, there's 140 families, 141. Bree, one of our interns, she counted for me today. She counted how many families. Woo! 141 families. So if the statistic is wrong, okay, just point at her, all right? Don't, don't write me an email or send me a text. How many of those 141 families do you think are considered dysfunctional? Come on, talk back to me. Every single family that we see is a dysfunctional family. So if you're sitting in here tonight, which I I think most of you would go, yes, my family's pretty messed up too. I think most of you would. But I'm pretty sure we all have some dysfunction in our family. Now I want to do something I didn't tell y'all in the back. If we can X out this screen, just turn this screen black, and in a second we're going to turn down all the lights. But could you guys get out your phones? All you get out your phones and turn your lights on your phones. I'll give you a little bit. Go ahead and turn it on your phone. If you don't got a phone, it's okay. Just pretend. Just hold up somebody else's phone. All right, so we can begin to turn the lights down. Awesome, we can go all the way off. You guys can hide your lights now, okay? And so what I want you to do, when I ask a question, go ahead and hide the lights. No strobe lights, you know what I'm saying? Keep that, keep that for the stage. Hide your lights. Quiet down, quiet down, quiet down. I know we got that beeping thing. Keep your, keep your lights on, but hide them. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Don't let it shine yet. So I'm going to ask you a question if... Something relates to you, okay? If you'd say, yes, that is me, would you hold up your light for me? Could everybody, if you've heard me say that, could you hold up your light? Awesome, awesome. Go ahead and put it down. So I'm going to start kind of easier, and then we're going to work towards some dysfunction. How many of you in here have parents? Okay, put them down. How many of you have a brother or a sister? Okay, you can put them down. How many of you are an only child? Cool. Hey, look at that. Y'all get all the goodies Christmas. Okay, lights down, lights down. How many of you have some pets? Yeah, you got to include the pets in here. Okay, put those down, put those down. Now let's get a little bit more serious. How many of us have had divorce in our family? Wow, look around. You can put them down. How many of us in our family somewhere there's been abuse? Wow. You can put them down. In our families, what about addiction, drugs, alcohol? You can put them down. What about fighting within our family? Conflict in our family? Look around. For those last four things, how many of you in the room had a light on for one of those last four? Now, I want you to look around, guys. We can keep the lights off for now. I want you all to look around. 
So my prayer tonight, you can keep your lights up. My prayer tonight is that everyone that would have a light up would say, yes, my family has been dysfunctional, but I believe that God can bring healing into my life. Can you put your lights down? And we can begin to turn the lights up. That's big. We come from brokenness. A lot of us have experienced hurt. We've experienced pain in our lives. A lot of us have. And so when we look in the Bible, we see a lot of brokenness. We see a lot of dysfunction. We see a lot of dysfunctional families. And I want to talk through a few of those before we kind of get into the message. I'm going to hit a pause. If you hit the cancel button on that in that room, Pastor Jeremy, it'll stop it. Sorry, guys. Pause, play. Okay, here we go. The first family in the Bible, right? Anybody who know Adam and Eve? Ever heard of them? Something about a garden, they're landscapers. You ever hear about them? That wife made the guy eat the fruit. You know what I'm saying? That family, the dysfunction in that family, they had two sons, Cain and Abel, and one of their sons killed the other. Dysfunction. Murdered his brother. Some of y'all in here are like, I've been close. I've been close, Pastor. What about Noah's family? Noah, he builds this ark, he saves his family, but then he goes through it. He finds himself hammered. He finds himself naked. And two of his sons try to cover him, but another shames him. And he ends up cursing his son named Ham. What about Abram's family, Abraham's family? God promised them a child. They were an elderly couple, he and Sarah. But they didn't want to wait for God to show up in their situation. So he ended up sleeping with his maid. What about Isaac's family? Son Jacob, he swindles Esau out of his birthright by lying to his dad. And then he, Esau wants to kill Jacob, so Jacob flees and he goes to his crazy uncles and there he falls in lo love with somebody. But his uncle tricks him into marrying their sister, her sister instead. Instead of the one he loves, he was tricked. Brokenness. Dysfunction. And we look at the definition of dysfunction. This is what the definition of a dysfunctional family is. It is a family in which conflict, misbehavior, and often child neglect or abuse on the part of an individual parents occur continually and regularly, leading other members, maybe us, to accommodate such actions. The baggage that we have, the brokenness, the dysfunction that we have in our families does rub off on us. It does. But there's good news coming soon. And so tonight I want to focus in on a story where somebody is wronged in a family. Somebody is hurt in a family. And they seek revenge because of pain, because of a feeling of being wrong, this, this man seeks revenge, revenge on a family member. 
And it's a story revolving around King David. And so we know King David, he made a lot of mistakes. He messed up a lot. But I want to focus in on one of the mistakes that affected family members. Maybe you've been affected by family members before. And it's about a man named Absalom, one of his sons and one of his sister, one of his daughters, Tamar. And so they had a stepbrother, and this stepbrother came up with this very evil plan because he was attracted to his stepsister. That he would lure in, her in and rape her. And he did that. And Absalom, her brother, was so angry and wanted revenge and wanted his father to do something. Wanted King David to do something about this, but his father didn't do anything. Sometimes we feel wronged by family. We feel like there's not justice that's taking place. But what do we do? Absalom, he left. He went away. And he set up this plan. Two years later, two years later, he held on to unforgiveness. Two years later, he held on to bitterness. And he invited that brother to a meeting of the king's sons. And during that time, one of, he ordered one of his servants to kill his stepbrother. And maybe that would have justified it, but no. He still was angry with his father. The word talks over and over about how his father loved him and was repentant, but he still hadn't had enough. And so he went to go take over his father's kingdom. And he did this because, I'll get a little less serious, Absalom, he was, this is just like a fun fact, all right? You all are like, oh my goodness, what's happening right now? Fun fact of Absalom, Absalom, it says he was the most handsome man ever. That's like a bold statement, you know what I'm saying? If you are claiming the best looking guy ever, that's pretty bold. And he cut his hair once a, once a year, uh, and they'd cut five pounds of hair off the guy. So I just don't, so just fun fact, I don't know how the best looking guy is like the hairiest guy. Like five pounds is a lot. You ever heard five pound dumbbell? Be, small baby? Sorry, it's just. It's a lot of hair. I don't know how he was the most handsome dude. Anyway, back to the story. Sorry, guys. Back to the story. So Absalom, he was very conniving. He was very, uh, he, was, he had a good way with words, and so he kind of built a following against his father. But this all led to his father deciding to go to war against him, going back up against him. So he gathered his men, and they went. And Absalom, he got caught in a tree and spears got thrown into him, and he died. And it's hard when we're wronged. It's hard when we go through it. It's difficult. Having family members isn't always easy. It's dysfunction in their life. The baggage that they bring to us isn't always easy. But what do we do? What do we do when this baggage is in our life? What do we do when we've got everywhere we go, maybe people don't see it, maybe we don't even see it, but everywhere we go, we're walking through school, trying to go through a hallway. That's hard enough, right? But we got all this baggage with us, and it's heavy, and it's tough sometimes with all this baggage behind us. So what do we do? 
how do we get rid of the baggage that's in our lives? I'm glad that you asked. So the first thing, the first point I have for you guys tonight is that you have to admit that you can't change it. I'm going to say that again. You have to admit that you can't get rid of it and you can't change the baggage that's in your life. Maybe some of you right now are like, yeah, I can. But you can't. You can't change it. You can't get rid of it. But a lot of times we try to be our own God and we try to handle our stuff ourselves instead of trusting God to work in our lives. See, that's a battle we all face every day is making our own decisions at our own time and our own plans. And we don't trust in our Heavenly Father to begin to guide us and to begin to remove the things out of our lives. Y'all get in the corner over there? Yeah. In Genesis 3, 5, it says, for God knows that when you eat, so let me paraphrase this really quick. This is about uh, in the garden, Adam and Eve are together, and they're being tempted to eat this fruit. And this is what is said about the fruit. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. They were being tempted to basically be God, to basically be the God of their own lives. And again, we face that daily. In Proverbs 28, 13, it says this, you will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. Never is a strong word. Confess them and give them up. Then God will show you mercy. Confess them, give them up, and God will show you mercy. We're in um, a staff equipping, kind of where staff get together and uh, we, we all learn together, and there was this testimony. We were talking about being freed from stuff in our life. And there was this testimony of this lady who, she got in a car accident, and, and she, she hurt her neck really, really bad. And so for like 20 years, she would go, and she'd get prayer at the altar. She'd ask God. She'd plead to God to take the pain away, to take the hurts out of her neck. And then 20 years later, 20 years of walking with this problem, with, with a neck brace on, 20 years, she came down to the altar and one of the pastors kind of felt something in their, and they said, hey, what, where were you going at the time when you got in the accident? And she said, I need to speak with you alone. And when they went and talked, she said, when I got in the accident, a married woman, she said I was going to have an affair. She said, this is the first time that I've ever confessed this to anyone. The first time that she had confessed her sin to anyone. And the pastor prayed for her there and she was healed. No more pain. But sometimes we got to be real with God and say, I'm broken, I'm messed up, and I confess that I'm broken and messed up. Sometimes it takes that. And the second thing, and this is kind of our last point um, tonight, is that realize Jesus. Everybody say realize. You've got to realize that Jesus has the power to change your life through an exchange. 
through an exchange. And how do we do this? So first of all, I want to let you know that God knows about your problem. In Psalms 56, 8, it says, you, you know how troubled I am. You have kept a record of my tears. God knows every single tear that we've shed. He knows our problem. And the sec- second thing is that God is sympathetic about our problems. He's not like, I'm going to lightning bolt you. Some of you need it. Just kidding. But he's sympathetic. In Psalm 103, 13, it says, he is like a father to us, tender and sympathetic. The other thing you got to know is that God can change your problem. Luke 18, 27 says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. So all we do after we know this is we comply with God's offer. We comply. Philippians 2.13 says it's for, for it is God who is at work within you, giving you the will and the power to achieve his purpose. We have to get to a point in our lives where we say, I can't change God, but you can change me. I can't change me, God. But you can do a work in my life and I can experience change, not because of my own will, but because of you in me. I woke up the other morning and I was thinking about um, kind of talking to you guys about this. And God kind of convicted me of something and I hope it speaks to you. He brought to the realization that the things we complain about the most tend to be the things we pray about the least. I'm going to let it sit. The things we complain about the most in our life tend to be the things we pray about the least. And a lot of times we complain about our family or our siblings and how jacked up they are. My parents won't let me do this and they won't let me do that and I'm tired of being in this house. I can't wait until I'm 18 years old. I'm out of here. But we fail to get on our knees before God. We fail to get on our knees before God and say, God, Will you begin to change things? God, will you work in my mom or my dad's life? Will you change who they are? I know they have baggage, God, because I've seen it and i felt it in my life. But Lord, will you do something in my situation? We love to complain, but we fail to pray. I feel like there's a lot of people that came in here tonight. Maybe you're, you're broken. Maybe you have a messed up family. Maybe this whole time you're like, man, I don't even want to listen to this because this guy doesn't know my story. I don't even want to listen to this because this guy doesn't know what I've been through. He hasn't seen my life. He hasn't seen my situation. He hasn't seen my day-to-day interaction with my family. And you know what? I haven't. But he has. You say, I don't know what you've been through. I don't know the life you've walked. I don't know the family that you come from. But he does. So my question for you tonight is, you kind of have an option. You can come in the door jacked up with baggage and, or you can begin to, you can walk in and walk out the same way. Walk in. That ain't for me. i walk out. Or in a moment when we come down for prayer, when we come down for worship, 
you can, you can begin to go, you know what, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship you different tonight. You know what, Lord, I'm, I'm going through something. I need to begin to pray. I'm going to get on my knees on this altar. I'm going to begin to pray to you. You can say, you know what, I'm, I'm sick and tired of dealing with this stuff. I need help. I need somebody to come next to me. I need somebody to partner with me. We're going to have prayer partners all around the room. And I just want you to find somebody. If you're like, I can't do this alone, you don't have to do it alone. Don't do it alone. We want to pray for you. We want to talk to you. I know I said I was going to close a little bit ago, but in closing, as we, we land the plane tonight, I mentioned earlier about exchanging. Got to exchange, make an exchange with God. Just like God, he sent his son to die on a cross for you and I. And it makes me think of this story that I heard. I heard a, a, this story about this guy who decided to go and uh, climb a mountain. Decided to go hike in this mountain, and he was in this lodge. And he, he said goodbye to the owner of the lodge, and he began to go up this mountain. And when you're in that type of place, when you're high up like that, weather can quickly change. A storm can quickly come and catch you off guard. So the man who owned the place, he, he noticed that it had been a few hours and that a storm had come rolling in. So he had a dog that was trained to find people and he sent that dog out to look for that man. And the dog it came up on the man covered in snow and grabbed his arm and began to pull him from the snow. Attempted to save this man's life. And the man, with everything he had, he reached to his side and he grabbed his knife. And he stuck the dog. Thinking it was a wolf trying to kill him. He inflicted a blow to the dog. And as the dog limped back to its owner, Upon arrival, dying in its father's arms, the man began to follow the blood trail back to the man and was able to save the man. God sent his son, Jesus, to be bruised, to be beat, to die on a cross for you and I to make an ultimate sacrifice that we might have life, that we might live. Send a son to die for us. So I don't know if you've ever asked God to be a part of your life. I don't know if you've ever said, Lord, will you save me? Will you be my father? Will you be my friend? Will you lead me? Will you guide me, Lord? I don't know if you've done that before, but I want to give you an opportunity to tonight. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that we've all sinned and that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrate his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. 
Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So everybody with your heads bowed, can we repeat this prayer? We say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Say, forgive me for all my sins. Say, I turn to you. I ask you into my heart, into my life, be the Lord of my life. Today, I choose you. In Jesus' name. Amen. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you said that prayer for the first time tonight and you said, I'm, I decided tonight that I'm going to make Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of my life. If that's you on the count of three, will you just slip up your hand? One, two, three. Thank you, Jesus. Raise it up. 